everyone, it's Jack with REIMastermind.net, and this week we're going to try something new. I have a buddy who has started a new podcast himself. Check out Resilient Real Estate Investing for that and in your favorite podcasting app. But uh, what follows is a recent interview he did on short-term rentals, and so you can check it out. Hope you'll subscribe and uh, support his new show. Thanks. night at 10 o'clock, their smoke detector goes off. And so they called and told us that it happened. And I didn't know what I could do for them at that point. Um, there's no fire. It's not a CO detector. There, There is not gas at this property. There's not a garage nearby. There's nothing like that. So I was like, I'm so sorry. I don't know what to do. And I didn't have another one. And they were like, well, we don't want to wake up dead. And I was like, okay, if you are feeling unsafe, I would like for you to leave and we will refund you your stay. How's it going? This is Dan with the Resilient Real Estate Investing Podcast, the show for the everyday real estate investor. And today we're going to be hearing from Lauren K. Almond. For the past couple of years, short-term rentals have been very interesting to me because it's a real estate business where you're taking your property and you are basically converting it into a hospitality dwelling unit, right? Where you have people coming in and out regularly on a short-term basis, which means that you get incredible revenue. But at the same time, there's a lot more that goes into it compared to your traditional long-term rental. And that got me thinking, what happens when things don't go right? And when you're having people constantly coming in and out of properties, things break, things happen. There's just additional friction compared to having someone coming in and out of a property on a 12-month lease basis. So I thought it'd be fun to have a conversation with our very own short-term rental pro, Lauren K. Almond. Uh, I say our very own because she writes a monthly article for the newsletter called Short-Term Rental Pro, where she talks about how to effectively operate a short-term rental business. So today, Lauren is going to be sharing three stories about what happens when things just don't go right when you're running a short-term rental business. Now, before we get into those three stories, let's hear from today's show sponsors. Today's show is brought to you by Convoy Home Loans, a non-QM lender that helps us investors finance our next rental property. And they have two loan programs that I'd like to share with you today. The first one being their 30-year fixed rate mortgage. The next program is a 40-year product where the first 10 years are interest only, and then the next 30 years are interest plus principal. Now, there's been a ton of talk about non-QM lenders and the 40-year mortgage. And just like everything when it comes to investing, you should do your own due diligence. So shoot them an email, privateclient at convoyhomeloans.com. That's privateclient at convoyhomeloans.com. Today's show is also brought to you by DoorWord, a private social media company being built by real estate investors for real estate investors. And what I mean by private is that's just for us real estate investors. There's not going to be a bunch of people trying to sell cryptocurrency courses or NFT scams or anything like that. No, it's just for us real estate investors. They have a ton of different groups that we can join to help network in specific markets and just so that we can be the best investors possible. Check them out, doorword.com. That's D-O-O-R-W-A-R-D.com. All right, let's jump in. Let's hear from Lauren K. Almond. 
Lauren, thank you so much for, for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, Dan. I'm excited. Before we kick things off, Lauren, do you mind sharing just an atmospheric level of what you're doing in, in real estate? Yeah. So my husband and I right now have 12-ish doors. And I say ish because that includes my primary residence and it also includes a camper that is in our driveway. And we are doing primarily short-term rental. So we have eight short-term rentals and four long-term rentals. And that would include my primary because when it rents out, we move to one of our other short-term rentals and we are short-term renting our camper as well on our same property. Very cool. And you are actually the the newsletter's STR pro. So you write a monthly article for us. You've been doing a bunch of it. And thank you so much for, for doing that, by the way. The conversation I'd like to have today, Lauren, is some of the stories that you've had as uh, as an STR host and kind of what you've learned from those situations. All right. That's fun. Let's, uh, let's revisit these traumatic times. <laughs> so let's kick things off with story number one, which is kind of easing into what it's like being an STR host. Yeah. So we use locks that are called Schlage Encodes. And let me open by saying I absolutely love Schlage Encodes. They integrate into our property management software. They The codes are set automatically for our guests. They're very low maintenance. I think they're like 250, 260 bucks, something like that. Totally worth it. We did have one bad experience with them though. And it ended with me climbing through a window. So I get like this message from a guest and he's like, Hey, the lock isn't working. And my wife is inside of the place. I'm like, okay, no problem. I'm assuming it's like the lock, right? Like the electronic portion of the lock. So I'm like, here, okay, here's the key. We have keys hidden. That's a pro tip, right? Have keys hidden places for people in case you're you know, in case the electronic part stops working. So I give him the key and it's not that like the lock actually broke and failed locked. I could not possibly believe it. So anyways, um, what happened is I have to climb through this window to like take the lock apart and like physically move the, like the mechanical parts to get it open. And I had really bad bruises on my legs for like a month and they, it was like kind of like tiger stripes, which was really funny, but um, it's funny now, but back then I was like, oh my God, like, is this going to keep happening? And I'll pause there, see if you have any reactions and then let you know kind of why that happened and what we learned from it. What's the window setup? Because part of me is like, is it something that's a story up? Is it like a window wall, if you will? Like what's the window situation? So this is in our tiny home. So it was right next to the front door. And what was really convenient, uh, I thought, was we have a table, like a bistro set on the outside. And the, also the table for people to eating was right on the inside. So I had to just go from like table to table. But the window, because it's a tiny home, the window was pretty small. To back up real quick, you, you said the Schlage lock is linked to your software, to your, your property management software. Could you t- take a little bit of a deeper dive on how that actually works? In a- yeah, so we use Owner Res as our property management software. And the reason for that is when we went from three listings to five listings in 2021, we decided I, did, I didn't want to manage natively in VRBO and Airbnb you know, just doing all my messaging, all the calendar syncing within there. 
because for a lot of reasons, one, I wanted to automate the communications with the guests and the cleaners. Two, I wanted to have the single point of truth for the listings, right? Like if I, if I update a photo, I didn't want to have to go to VRBO and Airbnb and update that photo, right? I want to do it just in owner res and the pricing and everything. I want that to push. Um, so that's why I use a property management software. We can also take uh, security deposits ourselves and use rental agreements and process payment. And so that allowed us to then take direct bookings as well from our website and word of mouth and things like that. So that's why we use owner res. We have a, another software that connects with that called remote lock, which communicates from owner res to the Schlage encode locks. And so owner res sets a code, sends it to remote lock, remote lock sends it to the locks, the locks program to work half an hour before check-in half an hour after check-in. That does make it a manual process. If somebody wants to check in earlier, check out late, but it hasn't been that cumbersome yet. Uh, so that's how it's that's what's supposed to work. And for the record, all of that did work. Uh, the lock physically failed. So it was the mechanical. It wasn't the electronic. It wasn't like it got disconnected from Wi-Fi or batteries died. It's, it was nothing like that. No. And the reason we use like ENCODES versus other ones is because when they disconnect from Wi-Fi, they do reconnect. Like, let's say the Wi-Fi goes off, if power goes off, they reconnect all on their own. Um, yeah. So what actually happened was the door had gotten some water in it. And so I think probably the electronics had some factor, but there was water in it. And I think that it was doing something repeatedly with the deadbolt. Again, I'm not in there. But also that caused the door to become a slightly different size, which meant it didn't, it wasn't really hung then properly in the frame. And that caused some sort of issue and caused that lock to break. Um, so we went and got a new lock. My uncle came down, he was a couple hours away and hung a new door um, while the guest was at work. And so everything worked out. We haven't had any issues since, thank God. Cause I'm sitting there like, at this point, we have the seven Schlage encodes. Um, I think we have eight because we have one on the shed. And we don't have one on the camper. So we have eight Schlage encodes at this point. And I'm like, oh my God, that's a lot, not only a lot of money to replace these things, but a lot of time and effort. So I was really afraid that we had picked the wrong locks, but I, I don't think we did. But we definitely learned a lesson there. And as we, as we expand and continue to expand, we will make sure everything is perfectly hung and there's no moisture getting in. So is that the the lesson learned then to be aware of the moisture content with with the doors and how that would impact the locks? Yeah, I mean, and hang your doors straight. Like there are a friend and mentor of mine who hosts a similar number of short-term rentals to us, maybe a few more. She uses a different kind of lock and we didn't go with this lock because it has like a hub. So with us, it's our locks that communicate with the Wi-Fi and connect to the Wi-Fi. These kind of locks, they had some kind of extra hub that had to go in the unit, which we just didn't want to deal with. So we didn't go with the same locks as her. But I think she told me like they will, it, we won't damage the lock or the door. It'll damage your frame. Like it will lock, whether it's in the hole or in the frame or, you know, that thing is going through. So um, I think probably no matter what locks you have, you need to make sure those doors close really, really perfectly. Don't rely on the guests to pull it. Don't rely on the guests to kind of get it right. I wouldn't make sure it shuts and locks easily and comfortably. Yes, because doors are important. So Lauren, that story, number one, we're getting a little bit, little bit darker, a little bit more, more difficult, right? So 
let's transition here to, to story number two. So this happened really recently, actually. And it's not the first time this has happened where a guest shows up and the place isn't clean. This has happened to me. We've hosted, I, it's hard to say exactly, but 250, 300 groups of guests, right? Different reservations. And it's happened to me three times that a place wasn't clean when a guest got there, which isn't really too bad. And the other two times, the guests were super understanding. The cleaner got there very quickly and cleaned it. And that was it. I do in those, I did in those cases refund the cleaning fee. Also in those cases, it was the cleaner's fault. The cleaners should have had it on their calendar and didn't. So the cleaner didn't charge me. So I got, we got five-star reviews. Everything was fine. This third time, the guest was, you know, she was back there. She called me. We, we live in this house most of the time and the unit's right in the backyard here. And she called and she's like, I don't think it's been clean, you know, which yeah, it hadn't, right. The beds weren't made or anything. Um, and she's going on, she's like, Oh, ah, Oh, it hasn't been clean. Oh. And I was, and I went back there and I was like, these people actually left it. I thought really clean. Right. So this guest already wasn't reacting well. And so what I did was I called my cleaner who I had given a $100 bonus to that day. It was the day after Mother's Day and no answer. And a little bit later, no answer. And my husband and I were here. We're not always here, um, but we were here and we're like, all right, you know what? Let's just clean it. Won't take that long. It really wasn't that, it really wasn't that dirty. Um, and so we go back there and clean it. And the guest goes to dinner. Of course, we're going to refund the cleaning fee. Guest goes to dinner, comes back. We told her it would be ready by seven. She showed back up at 6.30 and just like kind of sat there and watched and waited. And, and that was a little uncomfortable, right? But at this point, we figured everything is fine. Obviously, we're not off to a great start, but a lot of people really are understanding that hosts are humans, right? And my husband and I are not a company right? We're a 29 year old and a 32 year old with full-time jobs that are doing this to, you know, make a little extra money, own some real estate and show people the state of Florida. Right. So most people seem to understand that these people, I think kind of, um, didn't get that or weren't as empathetic to us, which, you know, that's okay. I understand. I, I would have been put off too. And so it gets clean. They go back in there that night at 10 o'clock, their smoke detector goes off and they broke it shutting it off. And so they called and told us that it happened. And I was at a lot, I, I didn't know what I could do for them at that point. Um, there's no fire. It's not a CO detector. There are, there is not gas at this property. There's not a garage nearby. There's nothing like that. So I was like, I'm so sorry. I don't know what to do. And I didn't have another one. And they were like, well, we don't want to wake up dead or whatever. Or we want to wake up in the morning. Right. And I was like, okay, if you are feeling unsafe, then I, I, I would like for you to leave and we will refund you your stay. And they did. And so I think my, I have a couple of lessons learned there, but, um, I'll see if you have any questions first. Could you paint a picture of what this unit is like compared to your primary? Is that the camper? So it's on your property, right? It's, it's not like it's across town or across the state. We have four total units on this property. It's a bed and breakfast. Well, we bought a bed and breakfast. Um, so this is the main house. It's three beds, two and a half baths, 1,600, 1,700 square feet, something like that. When we leave, we rent out just the bottom floor of this. But this is where we were at the time we got this call. 
The backyard has two ADUs. That stands for accessory dwelling units. And then the camper. Uh, one of the accessory dwelling units is our tiny home that I mentioned. It's like a she shed, right? 200 square feet, but really nice bathroom. No kitchen, but kind of a kitchenette area. This unit is a an enclosed two-car garage. We did not enclose it. We have done work to it. And that's where we actually lived while this house was being remodeled in 2020. So it's 520 square feet. It has a full kitchen, a bathroom, and it's like a studio. It has a queen bed, a TV, a table, and a twin bed as well. What can you tell me about your cleaner? Because for short-term rentals, I don't personally own any, but I have spoken with a number of people who do, and it really seems like your cleaner is the most important member on your team. Maybe a little bit less so if you're right there on property, right? But still one of the most important members of your team. What can you tell me about their business and and how you work with them? Cleaners are super important. However, what I will say is they are replaceable. And as much as you like your cleaner, right, or your cleaner is good for you and has been good, you kind of have to always trust but verify as well, I will say. We started in January 2021. We had a cleaner through that summer. We were not happy with her idea of cleanliness. Um, That said, you know, she was cleaning the sheets and she was wiping things down, things like that. But like she, I always thought the showers weren't clean enough. Like, I don't know if she was doing it every time or not. Occasionally there would be dust like under a bed or something. I just wasn't happy with her level of cleanliness, but she never missed a clean. So I will say that. So in mid-2021, we switched cleaners to our second cleaner. And this person came recommended from a friend of ours who has a short-term rental in the same town. She had been using her for four years, very consistent, really liked her. And so this is about, I want to say, say 10 months into that relationship. And it was pretty smooth. She was the one that missed one of our cleans before, but um, that was, we had just switched to a new system and she did not know that she needed to scroll to see all of the cleans. She thought there weren't any, but that unit she needed to scroll down. So she missed it. That was one of those ones where I mentioned, you know, it turned out totally fine. Um, but in this case, right, she, she didn't pick up the phone and I felt that particularly hurt because I had just given her a hundred dollar bonus for mother's day and stuff. So, which she had requested off. So I had to do kind of some blocking to make sure that, you know, nothing, there were no same day turnovers on a Sunday, which is actually, you know, pretty popular day for same day turns. So I was a little frustrated at that. Um, but looking back, there were signs that she was not completely well. And we persisted through that. And then like later on, she actually missed a clean where we were moving to like somebody had booked here and we were going to another one of our units and she got it like half clean and then left. And this is something I'm walking into, right? Which, you know, that just shouldn't happen. So I don't know what was going on with her. That was the last straw for us. And she totally understood that, but there were signs. Um, you know, my biggest lesson learned, I think from both of those initial cleaners that we had is, you know, trust your gut with it and fire quickly. I mean, I hate to say it, like give, give people a chance but you really do need to be trusting your gut when there's a problem. Like if you're not happy with something. And so we've been doing this for about a year and a half. We just now are on our third cleaner and she's great. She 
never needs anything from me. She's always very responsive. You know, she tells me when we need to order things, things like that, no drama whatsoever. If she isn't going to clean on a day of checkout, she'll, you know, kind of ask if that's okay. Normally we like to have things cleaned on day of checkout because we do get some last minute requests. Um, so I don't know if that completely answers your question, but cleaners are very important, but I will say also like you can't, have an abundance mindset, you will find somebody else. It's definitely to find somebody else who's better, who has the same standards and, you know, that you have basically. Yeah. Thank you for, and I think that color is really important for people like myself who are not engaged in short-term rentals. You kind of just think like, Hey, cleaner, they go in vacuum, do the sheets, maybe make sure that there's nothing in the sink, but it really sounds like there's a lot more when it comes to the individual cleans, how deep of a clean do you typically like to have your units before that next person comes in? Are these cleaners doing any staging, like gift baskets or, or anything like that? Yeah, so they have, I am not as much of a stickler as I think some people are. And I know that because I've had cleaners tell me that, like, you're actually pretty chill with some stuff. I'm like, yeah, it, I just want it to be clean. So, you know, we have some cleaners who we, we give, you know, a shampoo, conditioner, and a little soap. And some of them do like a little towel thing or, you know, and they can do that or they cannot do that. Right. Like I, you know, some of them do little stuff with the toilet paper and, you know, it, it, they, so they kind of have say in how things end up looking. I don't require a gift basket at all. Some of my uh, cleaners have like a little thing of like treats that they provide themselves with a like tip envelope. Um, that's a little more typical in that area to have an envelope. So that's something that they really wanted. And we kind of have rules about it in terms of how the reviews need to be for that tip envelope to remain there. Um, so but the, the cleaners need to look at the property from two lenses, the lens of the guest and the lens of me, the investor, the owner. And those really are kind of two different mindsets. So it is a special person that needs to do that. And that's something that I'm, I'm lucky to have found. It's something that I think happens over time too. If somebody's been cleaning a short-term rental for a long time, they're going to naturally have been flexing that muscle for a long time. Um, but things, little things too, like checking the inventory of things. So we're going to have our owner's closet or shed or whatever, depending on the property. And they need to be looking ahead a little bit, right? How much toilet paper do you have left? How much paper towels? How many shampoos? I had a cleaner tell me recently, it's like, we have no more shampoos. I'm like, did you see that coming? Right? Like, you know, let's, let's, let's think ahead a little bit here, you know, and it's not because of me, right? It's for the guests. I want the next guest to have a little shampoo, right? First of all, it says in my listings are going to have it. Second of all, people might mention it in their views. It's probably in the pictures, right? All of these things. So there are a special kind of person, I think, to be a cleaner for an Airbnb or a short-term rental. They do need to really look at it from multiple perspectives. And then also they may be a business owner themselves. So they have this whole other side of things as well. This whole other part of their brain that I don't know a lot about, but that they've always got to be thinking about scheduling their people and who's getting enough work and who's not and, and things like that. So segueing off of being a good business owner, what did you end up learning from, from this situation and, and from this guest? Yeah. So I should have refunded them right away as soon as that clean didn't happen. And I couldn't get a hold of my cleaner. I should have just done it. Right. Like that's, I ended up refunding that person anyways. And I actually cleaned. Right. So, um, I think that was, I think it was a little bit of a greed thing on my side. I still wanted the revenue from that booking, but it wasn't a, or at least should have given the guests that often, uh, that option. Let me put it that way. I didn't, I said, we'll clean it, go to dinner, but I probably should have given them the option. I, 
I will refund you right now, or I will clean it right now. And I do give guests options a lot. Um, if this is a little off topic, but if somebody's messaging me a ton about things before they even get there, I will sometimes say like, Hey, if, if you're really thinking this isn't right for you, I'll give you a full refund. Even though we're in the cancellation period, I will totally authorize a full refund. So you can find somewhere where you'll be happy, you know, where you kind of don't have to ask this many questions. And sometimes guests take me up on it. Um, and that's what I should have done in this situation. I think, um, something else I learned, I have backup smoke detectors at all properties. Now I should have done that to start with. That was stupid that I didn't. Um, so I have backup smoke detectors everywhere. So if that were to happen again, let's say we did go through, I gave them the choice. They wanted to stay. I did the clean myself. And then the smoke detector thing happens. My husband will go out to the shed, grab a smoke detector, put it up. And that would have been that. Or I could say, call the fire department, have them test it. Did they end up leaving a review? No, that was on VRBO. I don't, I don't know if other people experience this, but VRBO guests are significantly less likely to leave reviews than on Airbnb. We now have so many reviews that one slightly low one, I don't think would hurt us too badly. Um, what I will do in those situations where I think I might not get a great review, which is pretty rare, but this is another pro tip, I guess. I don't leave a review until the hour before the, the review period ends. Um, so that I have basically bought myself in the case of Airbnb, I don't know what the rule is for VRBO, but I've bought myself two weeks where there may be other reviews coming in. So that one will show up below when it does post. And if you do get a slightly negative review, which by the way, means four stars instead of five, you can always reply. And as long as you kind of have a story there, I don't know what her review would have said, but I said, we did everything. You know, we really, we really tried to make you happy to the point of cleaning it ourselves in a very timely manner, refunding your cleaning fee. We, you know what? I don't know what I would have said, but we went above and beyond to make your stay a good one. You know, I'm so sorry that the smoke detector went off and you destroyed it. We are now at the the worst story, and I'm I'm really excited. The worst story from a short-term rental pro, Lauren. Let's have it. Yeah. So this happened in March 2022, and we've talked a lot about how nice it is to be around. We were not around. We were in Colorado. We were skiing, and I all of our properties. We sort of have a long-term, short-term mix. Here, we're the long-term people, right? Um, we have a duplex where the one side is a long-term tenant, one side is short-term, and then we have a six-unit apartment building where three are long-term and three are short-term. And that's for a bunch of different reasons. Some of it is smoothing out revenue. Um, you know, some of it is we wanted to try out short-term before we went full bore, you know, things like that. Um, in this case, we have a tenant with a three-year lease on the one side, and they're about two years into it. And we, we bought this building knowing that, that that lease was in place, of course. And so we are skiing. Actually, it's the, we're leaving on Saturday. This is a Friday, Friday night. And one of our properties had a three night booking. This is our biggest one. It's only a two bedroom, two bath, but it's about, it's about 1600 square feet. It's a townhouse style, um, duplex on the water. So it's a really, really beautiful unit, not in a fantastic area, but a really beautiful unit on the water. And that's why we bought it. And that's actually where we go when this house books. So it's Friday night we're done skiing. We're getting ready to pack up. My husband and I are like, you know what, let's go out and get some wine, you know, and leave my parents and my sister at home and have some, you know, have just the two of us time, which we hadn't had in a whole week of being with my family skiing. So we go out and I get this text from my tenant. That's like, Hey, 
I met the people next door and these tenants are, are really understanding of that being an Airbnb and, and why we do it. And it's so we can stay there sometimes and we need to make money and you know, all of that. So they're, they're very understanding people. And again, they have a three-year lease. They're heavily under market rent. So they text me and they're like, I met the people next door and like, they gave, he gave me his phone number. It's like a kid. And he gave me his phone number in case they get loud. I was like, oh geez, like what's about to happen here? <laughs> you know. And so my tenant was like, you may just want to check on it. And so I messaged the Airbnb guest and said something. Oh, and they told, oh, my tenant also told me that there were like, say six, eight people there, not a ton of people, but you have your reservation. And so you have the amount that you know, amount of people you're going to have. So it's like, okay, you registered for three or four people. And so I just messaged him and them. The name, the name was kind of a a generic name. So I I don't know. I can't remember what the gender of the person was, but a a kid talks to my tenant says, here's my phone number. We're going to be here all weekend. Just here's my number in case we get loud. And also tenant says there's six, eight people there. So I messaged the guest said, Hey, how did check-in go? Just want just a reminder, you're registered for three people. So that's really all that should be there. And they messaged back, hey, no problem. We met the tenants and their pet dog seems great. Everything's fine. And I'm like, okay, red flag, right? They they just lied to me. We have cameras here and they're fully disclosed in the listing. And I also, I think this is above and beyond, put surveillance signs in the front and back, like, you know, like the kind of aggressive, like you're being watched. And they're only outside. They're not inside. Okay. Don't, don't be asking me that people don't come at me on Twitter. They're outside. They're disclosed. It's allowed. And you know, guests know about it. And frankly, it's for the guest protection too, right? If something happens to them, we want to have it on camera or we want to deter it. So the person's like, yeah, no, everything's cool. So I get on the phone with, with Airbnb and, and again, I'm out, like I'm out. Not only am I in Colorado, but I'm not even at the at the VRBO that I'm staying in. And so I'm call, I'm calling them. I get transferred to the safety team, and I kind of tell the safety team like, "Hey, I think you know, I think there's a party about to happen, and there's more people than there should be, and I haven't on camera, right?" And so it actually got to be kind of funny at this point because like they're sitting, it's a bunch of kids, you know, and kids. I'm 32, right? So kids to me, I don't know how old they were, but I think they're pretty young, and. <laughs> they're sitting at the back on the, at the in the back passing like a, a joint around or a blunt or something and one kid's taking his shirt off he's going out to the dock you know clearly he's like let's all go in the water and i'm like this is priceless like there's no better way to prove that a party is happening than what we are seeing actively right now <laughs> so so airbnb takes steps to contact the guest I can't, I, you know, they, the, the, the guest didn't pick up the phone, of course, from Airbnb. And I said, Hey, you have 30 minutes to leave. Airbnb has canceled your resume and Airbnb canceled it. You have 30 minutes to leave, or I'm going to turn the camera. I'm going to turn everything over to the police that they, that has been happening there. And as I send that message, first of all, they don't respond, but you see all of them turn around and look at the camera. This system happens to record audio. And again, disclosed, right? I don't know if it actually may not record. It may only be when you're listening live that you can hear audio now that I'm talking about it. But anyway, so you hear all of them say, well, we could just be a family. They don't know, you know. They go inside. They leave the back door open. They sing happy birthday. I'm not making that up. 
they got out pretty quickly after they sang happy birthday, everybody left, you know, but what was really interesting is they stacked all the chairs really nicely in the backyard. Inside, they left a birthday cake, beer, sodas, um, balloons, a sign that says let's party. It was like, oh, a little like vape pen probably for pot or whatever. So in terms of how this went down, Airbnb got on it really quickly. Believe me right away. I had all of the evidence that I needed. They canceled the reservation. The guests left in a timely fashion. I mean, they were out at like 11 or 1130. I mean, they were out, you know, almost before anything happened. I kept all the reservation money. I kept my security deposit money. Um, Our cleaner went there first thing in the morning and, you know, took pictures, documented everything, cleaned it up. I paid her an extra hundred dollars. Airbnb paid me an extra hundred dollars to pay her. So that all kind of worked out okay. But, and actually, you know, truly, I was pretty actually proud of myself because I used to be the kind of person that would like flip out when stuff went wrong. But I really, I felt like nothing. I was like, this is just another thing. I know that I knew this was a possibility. I knew there was maybe going to be a party despite my strategy of having all, you know, studios, one bedroom, two bedroom units. I knew that eventually I might have to face this and I'm going to, and I actually never freaked out. I never got stressed. I slept totally fine that night. Um, you know, even though nobody could get in and look at the place. So our cleaner went there in the morning and, and everything got cleaned up and we actually stayed there that night after we landed. From an outsider's perspective, you kind of assume that there'd be a lot more partying going on at Airbnbs than maybe there is. Is this the only instance or one of the few instances that you've had where people are actually like, you know, going to get there to throw down? Literally the only one um, that I'm aware of. And again, I have, I basically have spies, right? I mean, I have tenants who are, you know, in that case, pretty far under market rent, even in my six unit, a little bit under market rent, like they want to be there. And they know that I take care of the property that I put in repair requests and they ask that I answer the phone when they call, you know, things like that. So I, and even here when we're gone, our neighbors all know us, they all have our number and they're on top of it. We also have in, in a lot of cases, not there, but we have other guests, right. That are probably going to tell us, right. If people are throwing a party in the studio back here, people in the tiny house are going to know. And I've never had people book them both at the same time. So we have smaller units for this reason. It's a little bit controversial in short-term rental hosting. It makes me a little more mom and pop and a little bit um, less of like one of the, the true investors, the big boys, the people that take it seriously, because I don't own these four and five bedroom places. I just don't. I have not wanted to go that route for a couple of reasons. One, cleaning is a nightmare. Supplies are a nightmare. The turnover takes forever there's a lot more room for error and there's room for parties. And I just haven't, and damage, I just haven't wanted to take that on. And so we've made a concerted effort to have studios, one bedrooms and two bedrooms to not have parties. So that's truly the only one that we've had. We also have, like I said, the renter's agreement and the security deposit. So we have those, which I think are deterrents. And we also have, we don't have any one night stays. We require three night stays until you get pretty close to the stay, and then you can have a two night stay. Um, the way our, our pricing system works, so we've done what we can to avoid parties. So we've really only had the one that we've had to deal with. I don't think that you need to explain why you don't want to have parties, but just for 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 sake of a podcast and for the story, why don't you want to have parties at your properties? 
Well, there's liability issues, right? If people are throwing down, if people are getting drunk, if people are doing drugs, they're pro- they might hurt themselves, they might hurt others, they may smash things in the property. And let's say that no humans get hurt. Let's just say that they break a table and smash a TV, right? No harm, no foul. I take it out of security deposit. But what if I have somebody checking in that day? You know what I mean? So there are, it's not just the single immediate issue that you have to deal with. You then have kind of this cascade of problems. How do you get another table, right? How do you get another TV there? You know, does somebody need to program it? All of these things. That's why I don't want to have parties. I also, you know, I really don't want to spend my Friday nights on my vacation on the phone with the Airbnb safety team. Oh, like neighbors and tenants, right? So I have tenants next door, right? I don't want a party to happen there because I have tenants I care about and I want to keep happy on the other side. Like, like they share a wall. You know, that's one of the reasons I don't want to have a party there. Same with my six unit. I don't want parties there. I have, I have tenants there and neighbors or here on this property, same kind of thing. So we also want the local communities to be welcoming of short-term rentals, to know that there are good short-term rental hosts that have their licensing, that have their inspections, that are doing this right, that have their insurance, everything in place and are doing this right and are bringing people to the area, giving them recommendations, having them fall in love with the area, bringing their dollars there and maybe coming back, right? So if, you ha- if you're known as a party house, I don't think you'll last very long. I think you'll get bad reviews. You're going to get bad reviews from the people you kick out. You're going to get bad reviews from the next people because it still smells like beer. And you might get short-term rentals shut down in your entire area. So there's a lot of reasons. That's just off the top of my head that you, you shouldn't be the place where people want to party. You are a real STR pro because you're always thinking about the about the consequences and moving forward and also kind of the more environmental element. If If you become a bad operator, all these rules might come down to hurt your business and hurt other Airbnbs operating in the area. But I'm curious about you kept on talking about your the the tenant who's sharing that wall. Did they ever talk to you? Did you ever address this with them? Like how did how did that relationship go because of this day? I did talk to them. Um they actually run a breakfast restaurant in the area. So we went to breakfast there that day, right? Because we we landed at the airport. And we were going to go to a different one of our units, but that one was closer. Obviously, it was open. We knew the cleaner had cleaned it. So we decided to go there. So the next morning, we went and got breakfast there. And so we talked to them at that point and, you know, kind of told them what happened and and thanked them. Um, We gave them all of the leftover beer from the party and a $25 Walmart gift card as a thank you. And they were super grateful for for the gift card, but also the beer. And then just to close the loop on that, that person's Airbnb profile was shut down. I can't guarantee that they didn't create a new one and that they're not still out there, but Airbnb did shut that person down. So what did you learn from that story, Lauren, to, to kind of end out? Yeah, I think the first one is have a good relationship with the neighbors or in my case, the tenants, right? I think I don't think you should hide that you're doing short-term rentals. People are going to see different cars, different people coming and going. Even if people aren't having a party, they're going to be probably a little louder drinking. They're probably on vacation having fun. So people are going to notice. So I think being very open with everybody around you is what you need to do. And that that's something that, you know, we are, we're very grateful for having the renter's agreement, having the security deposit, right? We were able to take the $250. It's in the renter's agreement that the $250 of their security deposit, and most of our security deposits are a hundred. This is just a, a bigger unit. So um, we were able to keep that because they broke rules. And then we were also able to get an extra $100 from Airbnb to pay our cleaner. So it was very spelled out in the renter's agreement. No parties, can't do this, can't do that. We were, we, you know, it was cut and dried 
um, why we were keeping the security deposit, that it was literally, they signed that that could be a fine for this kind of behavior. Um, so having cameras is great. I think you should, um, it's, it's really worth it. Don't watch your guests though. Like I see this stuff on, on there all the time. I'm like, you registered for seven people and I counted and they have eight and don't do that, but you know, have them there in case you need to reference things. Um, we recently had a tenant's girlfriend put like a cigarette out in like a flower bed and like she didn't actually put it out and like it caught on fire and we were able to see who did it and have a conversation with that person because we had cameras or else we never would have seen it. It was no problem. Um, a guest showed up and poured their water bottle on it like right away and you know, no harm, no foul, but we were able to see that, you know, with the cameras and you know, that, so I, I would just highly recommend having cameras. Something else that's kind of interesting is the locks. We talked about the locks a lot already, obviously, but they also will tell you how often the door is being opened and being closed and things like that. And that can also help you pinpoint certain times to look for or look at on your cameras too. I like that really using your technology to be able to, to reference each other. What type of security cameras are you using? That's an awesome question for my husband. And honestly, we have three different systems. Um, we have, we use this, the same guy has actually installed them all. He drove about the two and a half hours up to our six unit to do those for us. Um, so I can't tell you, I know here they're Lorex. I know that. And I don't think this is my husband's favorite system, but it, but it works really well. And they actually of really fantastic customer service. They've replaced like our brain once. They replaced one of the cameras once that went bad. So I do recommend Lorex myself because they've been good and they work and things like that. But we actually have three different camera systems. It's whatever our camera guy has recommended at the time and was able to get. Trust the pros. Well, Lauren, thank you so much for for sharing these stories with us and, and glad that none of them ended with the unit being burnt down or a toilet flooding, you know, multiple units. Where can people learn more about you and get involved in your world? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm most active on social media on Twitter. I'm at Adulting is Easy. The podcast is called Adulting is Easy, making adulting easier by making money easier. And it is on Spotify, Apple, everywhere you listen. My website is realadultingiseasy.com. I have some blogs, um, some different resources. I have a gum road and okay, hear me out. A couple of things are paid, but most of the things there are free. I have a supply list, like a cleaning checklist. I have house rules that you can copy and paste and put directly into your listing. I have a lot of just different recommendations on there. And of course, uh, you know, once a month, the first Tuesday of the month, I am on the Resilient REI newsletter. So you can get more STR information there as well. Lauren, thank you so much again. Really appreciate it. And uh, all those links will be in the show notes. Thanks for having me. One thing that really strikes me as being different compared to long-term rentals is the level of urgency that everything has with short-term rentals. If you think about it, if a tenant signs a lease on a 12-month lease for an apartment or a single-family house, and they move in and they see that something is not perfect, right? They have some repairs, maybe a wall needs to be painted, maybe something is broken, whatever the case might be, you have time as a landlord to go in and make those changes. You do not need to drop everything to go in there and to, like in Lauren's case, clean up while the tenant is at, uh, at dinner which is incredibly different compared to long-term rentals and adds an additional level of stress. Because if you're having people coming in potentially multiple times a week, 
that is so many more opportunities for a cleaner not to show up, a lock to break, just things to run out, you know, cleaning supplies, for instance. Having this in mind, I think, is really important for investors prior to jumping in. And candidly, that's one of the things that has kept me from jumping into short-term rentals because of all those points of friction. I just like the long-term cash flow that I understand with a long-term rental. But if you can hack it, if you can do it like Lauren can and can operate at a high efficiency level, you can make a ton of money. You can make a killing. Um, And I just hope that this show emphasizes that you make a lot of money, but at the same time, it's not easy money all the time. Things happen and things go wrong and you have to be a problem solver. Moving along, we'd like to thank today's show sponsors, Convoy Home Loan. If you are looking for a creative way to finance your next rental property, whether it's a long-term rental or a short-term rental, you want to look at maybe a 30-year fixed rate or a 40-year first 10 years interest only, last 30 years interest plus principal, check out Convoy Home Loan. Send them an email, private client at Convoy Home Loan, private client at Convoy Home Loan. We're also sponsored by Doorward, a social media company being built by real estate investors for real estate investors, where us real estate investors, we can get together online and we're not going to have to fight with a whole bunch of crypto and NFT people or just individuals who are kicking the tires on personal finance and really have not delved into real estate investing just yet. If you want to check them out, go to doorward.com. That's D-O-O-R-W-A-R-D.com. Before we head out, I would just like to say that if you found this show helpful, I would really appreciate you leaving a review on Apple Podcasts if you can, or wherever you're listening to this, by the way. We're at 57 reviews on Apple Podcasts while I'm recording this, which is just incredible. And Thank you so much for the incredible support for the show. It's really amazing. You know, A new show to be able to come out and have such great initial response. I really appreciate it. So thank you so much. And with that, that's all I got for you today. Have a great rest of your day, and I will catch you next week.